Hey all you heavenly humans, I'm Mandile and welcome to And Other Things, a podcast about navigating life, learning from past experiences, embracing growing pains and laughing along the way. Meet me right here every week for thoughtful conversation, challenging discussion and an all-round great time. Happy Monday listeners and happy and other things book club discussion episode. So if you read along or if you didn't read the book and you just want to listen to my voice, I hope you're ready to dive into Silence is My Mother Tongue by Suleiman Adonia. But before we get into that, I have to tell you about next month's pick. Duh! So for June, we will be reading Detransition Baby by Tori Peters. And I am so stoked to read this book because I've heard such great things about it. And the cover makes me think that it's going to be the perfect summer read. So. I'll leave a link in the show notes to Detransition Baby so you can check it out and decide if you do indeed want to read along. And as you know, I always encourage that you read along. Okay, silence is my mother tongue. Man, this book was absolutely not what I expected. And you'll hear me mention that in this episode. It was, yeah. Let me let me not say too much for now, but as usual, I do want to highlight the author of the book because, as you know, that's very important to me. So, Suleiman Adonia was born to an Eritrean mother and an Ethiopian father, and the conflict between those two countries is a very important subject in this book and something we're going to try to unpack. And much like the characters in the book, he spent his younger years in a refugee camp after him and his family were forced to flee their home following the Om Hajer massacre of 1975. So let's pause for a quick history lesson here. I never used to read fiction books because I was taught that they were a waste of time because you weren't really learning anything of substance, right? But now I absolutely beg to differ because I have learned so much from reading fiction books, especially historical fiction like The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett, which I read in April, and now this book. So, the Om Hajer massacre, from what I read and researched, was one of the many massacres that took place during the Eritrean War of Independence, which was fought by the Eritrean People's Liberation Front, EPLF, and the Eritrean Liberation Front, ELF, and they fought against the Ethiopian army. So, because it was two against one, the Ethiopian army decided to destroy Eritrean villages And one of those events was the Om Hajer massacre of 1975, in which soldiers machine gunned civilians. Y'all, they just went in and blasted these people, which is so terrible. Man, this world is truly something else. Yeah, but 
that's that on that I just wanted to pause for a quick second because I think it's so important when the author um provides you details in the book that are relevant to their own personal lives to do a little research and to understand the historical context behind whatever novel you're reading so back to Suleiman Adonia after living in the refugee camp he studied in Saudi Arabia and then he sought asylum in England without knowing a single word of English and yet he still wrote phenomenal books in English Silence is my mother tongue was his second novel I believe and it was long listed for the 2019 Orwell Prize for political fiction and TBH I don't know the difference between long and short listed can you tell I'm not the most avid reader out there so I'm gonna look that up and let y'all know next time I'll let y'all know what I learn <laughs> all right so no more dilly-dallying let's get into the and other reads may book discussion on silence is my mother tongue by Suleiman Adonia Mark or should I say Markle which is what I call you so I feel like I'm gonna put that in the title I'm gonna say with no, Markle no no you can't you can't do that you can't do that <laughs> hi how are you I'm pretty good how are you yeah so far so good just awesome. a chill Sunday yeah. yeah awesome so uh for the listeners who don't know Mark is a really good friend of mine from back home in Zim do you want to tell the listeners how we met think it's a pretty it's oh a pretty cool yeah story. sure um it's it's actually really weird so i used to be um i used to just be on facebook whenever <laughs> i was and i would literally like sometimes i get friend requests from people i don't even know and i just accepted them so mandy happened to be one of them wait um, did i friend request you Yes, you did. Oh. I I never sent friend requests to people I never knew. So, oh. yeah. Okay. So, one day he was online and I just said hi. And then she said hi and then we just started talking. <laughs> and then I asked for a number. Then she's like, cool. Then he started talking on WhatsApp. And then we met at a party. <laughs> Wait, was it a party? And then, yes. I thought we you met remember... at your sixth form dance. No, actually it was at a party. Okay, okay. It was a house party. Okay. It was a house party. Yeah. yeah. So we met at a house party and yeah, then after that, uh Neverland and Oh then, yeah. Yeah, we became <laughs> good friends after that. Yeah. Yeah, we became good <laughs> friends. Cool. I actually I forgot that I friend requested you. I don't remember that. But I remember that you messaged me first. And I was like yes, I did. Should I reply? Because I was very you know iffy about talking to people on Facebook but I, I'm glad we did because now we have this really great friendship <laughs> okay so yeah. now we are going to talk about Silence is My Mother Tongue by Suleiman Adonia which was the book club pick for May and just a disclaimer for the listeners um this book 
talks a lot and we are going to talk a lot about sex sexuality masturbation and there's also instances of sexual assault so if you are with children or you are sensitive to those topics you can just click out now that's okay um i'll see you in the next episode <laughs> but okay to to start mark can you give us a brief synopsis of what this book is about Okay, so from my understanding, it follows the story of a brother and a sister. The brother's name is Hagos or Hagos. I, I'm sorry if I butcher these names. And the sister's, the sister's name is Saba, mm -hmm. which is also the name of a rapper that I really like. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they are half Ethiopian and half Eritrean. And they are finding a way to survive in a refugee camp. And this takes place in the 90s. And there are just many uh, stories, many interactions, rather, um, with different people mm. in, the, in the camp, uh, what sort of community they are, how conservative they are in terms of how they just think and it's just it's a very interesting um perspective in terms of like how uh the people interact with each other especially the main characters Saba and Hagos with uh the other people in the camp and silence is my mother tongue is a very significant title if you like pay attention to detail yeah so it's it's um it's it's a very raunchy book it's uh very, yeah it's, well i i feel like i like the word like when we talked about this before you said that it was intimate i feel like intimate is a more accurate word but yeah, we can we can discuss yeah. that later but sure yeah yeah so from yeah from my understanding that's kind of what the book is about we just follow the story of this brother and sister we have a very strong relationship with each other yeah and you know they make friends and they encounter very uh very should i say traumatizing they have very traumatizing experiences and they also have very wholesome experiences yeah. as well yeah yeah Awesome, awesome. So what would you rate this book out of 10? And then give me your initial thoughts. Okay, so out of 10, I would say the book is an 8 hmm. out of 10. Um, the only reason that I'm not rating it, rating it higher is maybe I don't know how to like pay attention, but sometimes the book would confuse me a little bit. <laughs> um like especially the first chapter mm. i was very confused in the first chapter yeah because it wasn't even i think we we're looking at it through a side character's perspective yeah. someone who eventually becomes a side character yeah. so i was very confused um but it's 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 a very um it's quite gripping because you really want to know what happens next and how the character development goes and it's i like the character development mm. that's my favorite part of the book so 
yeah, it had really good character development and, you know, very interesting characters were explored throughout the the length of the whole story. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. I This is the first time that my guest in this in the book club discussions has given the book a a lower rating than I did so I gave it an 8.7 and I usually don't like to do half scores or decimal scores yeah yeah I really struggled with this one because well first let me give my initial thoughts so I it was so unexpected it was not what I was expecting after reading the reviews on Goodreads and Amazon I thought this was going to be a book about which it essentially is but not in the way that I Mm. thought so I thought it was going to be a book about the refugee experience and the immigrant experience and what it's like to come Mm. from a war-torn country and more like identity politics centered but then there was like all this sex and all this stuff (laughs) I (laughs) I was not I was not ready for that but I think that that's actually pretty telling of the assumptions that I carry as someone who is not a refugee or has not interacted with a lot of refugees of what it means to be a refugee. You know, I immediately thought, you know, they're going to talk about the difficulties of it and like they're hungry and all these things. But really what this book shows is that refugees have just as diverse of experiences in their lives as we do and that even though they are refugees they have time for all these other things so I I think that was really good but I gave it I wanted to give it a nine but Mm -hmm. I was looking back at the books the other books that I gave nines and I just felt like it it came close but it just didn't match and it's because as I told you when we when we texted I felt like it didn't have a plot until the very uh-huh. end the very end and yeah, it's, yeah 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 i just the end was great yeah the, the end, end was it was finally like oh i get it i get it but yeah i felt like in the beginning have you read things fall apart by chinua achebe i have not okay i have not my brother has but i have not okay it's a really good book but basically the yeah. first two-thirds of that book are just descriptions of daily life, just like this book. And then at the end, it's finally like, <laughs> oh, that's what the story is about. So that I, yeah. I can't read like that because I'm not necessarily an avid reader or someone who devours books as easily as other people. So I need something to guide me, you know, to point me in mm. a direction. And I felt like this this book, it didn't really do that. But it's fine because I finished this book in, I think, 24 hours it was really it was it flowed well but I needed a sense of direction so that's the reason why I gave it an 8.7 <laughs> why do you look 24 like 24 hours <laughs> yeah it must Jeez, have been like just okay. over yeah okay yeah no then I'm slow I am <laughs> slow for days okay this book took me like a month so <laughs> that's funny no I, I'm also a slow reader but I just have a little more time on my hands and yeah it was I think it was the book the book was written in such a way where I could just easily I just wanted to know what was happening next maybe because it was so yeah. unexpected you know yeah, um, yeah but yeah now, now that we've given our initial thoughts tell me what you thought stood out were there any moments where you're like oh my gosh or anything specifically that you want to discuss um so 
there were quite a few moments that stood out. Um, not like, you know, generic in terms of like how storytellers tell stories, mm. but like just specific to this story. There's a, <laughs> there's a certain chapter. I wrote this down and it was, um, I just wrote in my notes and <laughs> I wrote chapter. I, I write the chapter, then the chapter name. Yeah. And then I just like summarize what stood out to me in that chapter. Yeah. So there's a chapter called <laughs> The Blood. Okay. Mm. <gasps> yes. That... <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> so um, I read that chapter and I was like, what is going on here? Okay. So basically, spoiler alert. No, because... so it's not everyone who's listening to this should have read the book or they, they're listening yes. to this because they want to know what the book is about. So no spoiler <laughs> so... alerts. What happened was, I forgot who this person was, but Saba and Hagos were sexually assaulted when they were children. Is that is that how you... Yeah, by their uncle. I think it was their uncle. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And he did some kind of like blood ritual stuff in it. And <laughs> Wait, I was what? just like... I, I don't I don't know I don't know I don't think it happened. was like an actual I don't think do you think it was like an actual ritual well I, I was assuming it was a ritual oh but interesting I think maybe he's just like messed up in the head but I was assuming that it was a ritual <laughs> okay and um it just stood out to me because like Saba and Hagos go through a lot of this yeah. book and they've been dealing with um, a lot of trauma and I mm. just thought that this was just so traumatizing Yeah, and the way the author writes it right it's kind of like Saba has already like brushed these things off yeah. she's very strong yeah. and uh, uh, she's um, you know her mental strength she was trying to like preserve her mental strength, which eventually uh, was, you know, I wouldn't say broken down, but the wall uh, for her to become, you know, more vulnerable was yeah. broken down by her friend Zara, yeah. who's one of my favorite characters. Yeah, I in loved the book. her. Um, uh, and yeah, it it's 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 a good. Um, I like the way the author explores also like mental health issues mm. because there's a lot of um, this book has a very burden of expectation vibe to it. So yeah, um, yeah. there's a lot of that going on in the, in the book, especially with the, I think there were like two virginity tests. And I was oh like, yeah. What? That was like, was... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah the main character Saba was her virginity got tested twice mm. um, by the midwife who's crazy and yeah. tried cut Saba's clitoris with a razor yeah anyway <laughs> um, yeah so that's one of the things that stood out to me also the other thing that stood out to me is 
I said in the beginning that the title Silence is My Mother Tongue yeah. become Wait, is, hold is on. a very significant... Hold on. Can I just comment on the first thing before I forget my thoughts? The first thing okay. that you brought up? Okay. So sure. with the blood, I didn't I didn't think that it was a ritual. So I think that's interesting I that also you saw it like that. that. It was... I, I, I didn't think that, but I thought it was. Yeah. I, I don't know. Okay. So what I from what I remember... Um, and this was also one of the chapters that was like a page long. And I found yes. that the author did that a lot. And I was like, yes. why? And maybe we can we can discuss that. But I thought that when those chapters, when I came across those chapters, that's what like fueled me to go to the next chapter. Because I was like, yeah. what is this all about? I need to find out more. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, they were sexually assaulted by their uncle. And I thought that the blood came in because, and this is very graphic, just a warning that he was like penetrating them anally and there was blood there, but he would like go back and forth. So it like mixed together. And while that is like, that's oh, what I, that's how I interpreted it. Okay. I don't okay, know if that's okay. actually what happened. Cause I, I read this book a while ago, but um, I felt like that it's very traumatizing, but it also like, uh, I don't, it sounds bad the way that I'm going to say it, but I feel like there was kind of like a blood bond formed between them and obviously their brother and sister, but the way that they have yes. endured certain challenges together like that and that they were always taken almost to be the same person, like the uncle abused them together, which it's just disgusting, but... Yes, Yeah, I felt like that was... That just, um, not sets up, but gives us reason why they are so close it's it's because yeah. they've endured so much together yeah but go ahead go yeah ahead. so yeah i um another thing that stood out to me is uh uh hagos um i think he he's like one of the embodiments of the actual title of the book mm. um because hagos is a mute yeah and he he tries to speak like n near the end of the book he tries to speak i don't know if he actually speaks but i know that he like writes stuff yeah, down yeah yeah broken english yeah which was i yeah <laughs> that, that was... chapter the broken english i could I, I i read it once and i was like no i'm not yeah. reading that again i'm not even glad to understand. so yeah um i love that uh the bond between Saba and Hagos is so strong mm. that Hagos doesn't actually have to speak for mm. Saba to understand what he's trying to say. And it's, um, you know, they, they love each other and Hagos is like very selfless and he's, um, he's just, he's a really good brother. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's, it's, um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about this guy. He's 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 been through a lot. Yeah. And you know, Saba feels for him mm. because she feels that his silence cannot fully express his emotions mm. or what he's actually thinking. Yeah. Um, but he manages to communicate even if he's silent. Mm. Um, I don't know how he communicated with Eob. Oh yeah. When they went on their walks <laughs> and um <laughs> yeah. and so yeah um um 
I do I do think that like Hagos is probably is one of the most important characters in the book. Mm. Um, probably equally as important as Saba, but Saba does get more focus. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I loved their relationship. I just thought I mean there's there's lots to talk about, but I want to comment on the silence portion. There's this one part where she says, um, Hagos or Hagos, I don't know how to say his name, is mm-hmm. not mute, full stop, but the world is yes. not to is not prepared to listen. That was like so powerful because <laughs> yeah, he yeah, is yeah, like you yeah, were saying, yeah. he's just such a thoughtful person. He is so caring. And I wonder yes. like if he were actually able to use his voice how that would change the people around him or how he would challenge the people around him. Um, and then the the other part was that she says, or the narrator says, that's when Saba realized that Hagos might, might have been born a mute, but their society turned every child into one. And that's after their uncle sexually assaulted them. So it's like exactly. this power exactly. imbalance that happens between adults and children. And even if, you know, Saba has a voice, but the society that they live in and the things that they experience end up silencing them so i wonder if hagos could have gone through things before saba was born because he is the older brother and Mm. she may i don't know maybe she she was told that he was born a mute but i wonder if there were things that happened before when he was younger that turned him into someone who was so quiet because yeah yeah everything i feel like there's just so much bad stuff that happens in this book and the way these two characters are able to move forward just says a lot about like you were saying their mental strength it really does yeah it really does yeah and i wanted to ask you right this book explores, um, I love how the author put a lot of focus on the struggles of women mm. and uh, like women in, this is like women, It was I felt like it was women in general, Yeah. but he was specifically talking about like what these women were going through in the refugee camp. Yeah. And you know, like like what I said earlier, the burden of expectation and, you know, a proper woman does this, yeah. a proper woman is a housewife, she cleans the dishes, she washes, washes clothes and, you know, all that typical conservative garbage yeah. that, you know, we, we, we don't accept anymore. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, what, what, how did you feel or what did you think of, uh what the women went through in Mm. this refugee camp yeah thank you for bringing that up that was something i wanted to talk about because i think in general this book does such a good job of challenging gender roles and i was so surprised because i knew the author was a man going into it and i was so surprised about how he wrote not only about women's issues but like the female body i thought that was really Mm -hmm. interesting um Mm -hmm. but yeah there's this um I can't remember where exactly, but they basically talk about how when you are a woman, you're expected to be quiet. And Saba, she really had challenges with this because she is so outspoken. She has so many opinions. And yet she was the very thing that other people were saying to her brother, which is like, why are you so quiet? You know, you're slow, whatever. Mm. Mm. The opposite is being said to Saba simply because she's a woman. And if she 
were silent if she were born a mute like Hagos she would probably not receive the comments that he was receiving about being slow because that would have been seen as her place also the mom in this book oh I just I want to say that I hate her but I don't because I can tell that she is being taken advantage of by the midwife or she she doesn't know how to stand her ground and everything the midwife says to her like when when the midwife when Saba does something and the midwife is like how can you let your daughter do this she's like you know she's shaming you and then the mom is like oh my gosh why do I have a daughter who does all these things Like she's she's like yeah. responding yeah. or she's taking on the midwife's opinions of Saba. So mm. I feel like mm. there's a lot of representation of different kinds of women. And then also the midwife also, I think, carries on the patriarchal um, or it carries on the yeah patriarchal values by violating Saba yes. and like sticking her fingers yes. up her vagina to test her virginity. Yes. It's just like. And then there's also you mentioned Zara. I love love Zara. I th- I thought yeah, she was like representative of the rebellious, you know, woman who won't take yeah. no BS, you know. But that's also yes. because of her mom, who was who fought in or who was like um. What what would you call her? Was she a guerrilla fighter? I don't know. But she she was. I'm in not the war. sure, but yeah, she was in the war. Yeah. Um, in the in the time that the book the story is taking place she's fighting in a war yeah so i i loved how diverse the representation was of women and i think he did such a good job of like countering gender roles and i think we also see this with the relationship between um saba and her brother there's this in the beginning they say um that he Saba had taken all or Saba had given all her femininity to Hagos and Hagos had given yes. all his masculinity to her. Masculinity to Saba. So I, yeah. I feel like that was also a reason why they they were able to kind of break barriers because they were feeding off of each other. Um mm. but yeah, what did you think of the I feel like this book made homosexuality and like bisexuality such a non-issue it was there but it was never expressly talked about what did you think about that so it was um i was really surprised that um you know like especially in this camp people people had no fear to express their desires yeah all they did was just express <laughs> yeah. them in a timely manner so that yeah. they could avoid the judges and the yeah. elders and the yeah. midwife and everything yeah so it was really interesting that um people were just free to do this um you know saba has encounters with samia and naznet and uh you know i and don't know Jamal. And Jamal. Yeah. And Jamal. Yeah, that was... <laughs> yeah, that was something. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I um, And I think these encounters, like, really added a lot of value to the book because you, when you, when you picture refugee camps in your head, all you're thinking about is these guys are just thinking about the next meal. Yeah. And all of that but then this book 
they think about food, they think about sex, yeah. they think about money, mm. they think about, um, you know, um, leaving the camp. Yeah. Like, they actually don't want to stay there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, um, I think my my favorite encounter to read about was um Hagos and Eob. Oh yeah. Because I was like, okay, they're going on walks. And then I was <laughs> okay, wait a minute. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then it became clear at the end yeah. that after Eob married Saba, which was arranged marriage as yeah. well is also an issue. Yeah. Um but, wait, did you yeah. did you know that Hagos was gay or well I don't know if he, no. he has that label beforehand because I had that hunch no you didn't no I didn't have well I didn't have the hunch I just thought that he liked perfumes and <laughs> he liked being shaven clean shaven and stuff and then when he lifted his arms to show Saba <laughs> his, his shaven armpits and Saba's like no I'm not gonna shave my armpits man yeah. I'm just gonna stay like this <laughs> and then I was like you know um I was like, okay, cool. He takes care of, he grooms himself. Yeah. Fine. He likes smelling nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I didn't get a hunch that he was uh, gay. Yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, I had no problems with it when it became clear that that was, that's what he likes. So, um, but it was a surprise to me. Because, like, honestly, I thought, <laughs> I thought um, Eob had eyes for Saba. What? But, yeah. No way. What? How did you think that? No, no I just thought, you know, no, like. Oh, because, like, in would. the beginning, he's, like, always around and the narrator yes. is telling us, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then you would come with the gifts yeah. and then take Agos away. Yeah. For a walk yeah and you know yeah yeah it's it's um i just love that uh people weren't afraid mm. to do what they wanted i yeah. mean there was a, a sex worker there yeah and you know she wasn't even like the midwife knew yeah and she didn't even like do any of the violent stuff that she tried to do with saba yeah. you know like Saba was restricted by the midwife and the mother, mm. right? And <laughs> I just, I, I don't get it. I know, like, I know I did biology a long time ago. Yeah. And then there's, there's this thing called a hymen, yeah. which breaks. Yeah. Uh, even if you're still a virgin yeah. you can break so i don't know like what they actually what they're actually looking for yeah when they do that but yeah i yeah uh, yeah i just i didn't like that at all because it felt like like i was saying the midwife was carrying on the patriarchal values of violating women as a woman and the way that he described it was literally like he would paint the picture of her like taking her three or two fingers and like sticking them up there just to check and I really didn't like that and going back to um the the topic of sexuality so I I 
I had a feeling that Hagos was gay yeah. because right. because of what I said earlier about how Saba was like, oh, it says Saba had given all her femininity to her brother. She remembered the midwife's words about Hagos, but Saba didn't have enough femininity to give just as Hagos didn't have enough masculinity to give her. They were born like that. And so there were clues throughout the book that were like that. And I was just making, maybe I think it's good that you didn't make the assumption that he was gay because any man, even straight men are allowed to, you know, groom their Ooh, armpits smell or nice, smell nice, you know. Take care of their hair. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but what I noticed was how he would, he was so like gentle and just nurturing in how he interacted with Saba like the way that he would do her hair and remember that when the 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 humanitarian truck came with all the clothes and he picked up a girl's dress and um he yeah he was just I felt like he was almost like a mother figure the mother figure that Saba didn't have um and then also on the topic of sexuality um Oh, wait, before before I say that, going back to Hagas mm. and silence, I found it interesting mm. that it was only after he got with Eob or they, they were together that we finally yeah. got to hear his voice. And to me, that really mm. signified the idea of sexuality in this book being like synonymous with freedom because... Yeah. Or yes, like, yeah, exactly. the freedom oppression dichotomy. So like sexual assault is like the oppression part of it. But every time they have sexual encounter encounters that they choose to have, it's almost like they're they're breaking free of the 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 boundaries of the refugee camp and the boundaries that have been placed on their bodies. And I see that with mm. like every person, you know, and um, I think Naznet, the sex worker, was a perfect example mm. of this because, like you said, like sh- she doesn't care that she no. is a sex worker and she's not trying to hide it. And I think that says a lot about the freedom that she has within herself, or that she she wants to have within herself to just do whatever she wants, even though she's in a mm. refugee camp, running away from a war torn country. You know? Yeah. And I also um, there was like this one. It was a small moment, but it was like really important mm-hmm. just in terms of like understanding what people go through in refugee yeah. camps. There was a, um, where is it? Where did I, I wrote this down. Okay, here it is. In a chapter called The Midwife, yes. right? A, a, a girl died and then Saba thought to herself, did I really escape death by coming to this refugee <gasps> yes. camp? And I was like, wow that that that's deep okay yeah and I was like um you know it's it's really interesting because not only does the author like you know um tell us of you know uh debunk the the assumptions of what people actually do in refugee camps or what they're actually thinking about. But the typical stuff that we think that they're thinking about is also obviously at the front of their mind. Yeah. So, you know, like escaping death, looking for a better life, trying to, trying to, you know, leave the camp so that they can go and educate themselves or go get a job, whatever. So, you know, like this death, 
it it hit Saba kind quite hard. Yeah. Even though she didn't know the woman, yeah. but it, I just yeah, it was it was a very um, touching mm. moment for me because I was like, yes, refugees are trying to escape death. Mm. They are, and um, it's it's uh, it's very it's very hard for them to witness death in the camp, mm. especially when they're trying to run from it. Yeah, because also in the word refugee or refugee camp, there's like the assumption of refuge, right? This like yes. safe haven where exactly. you have exactly. like left this war-torn place. But yeah, and that I think that moment also reiterates what you were saying about Saba, although she presented or although we were given the idea that she was mentally strong, there were obviously moments where she dealt with traumatic things and where trauma from her past showed up in um, showed up in the future. Um, and then I want to go back to the the first person, third person thing, because that really shook me. Like in the beginning of the book, we were... I was confused (laughs) as well. Yeah. That's why the first chapter confused me. Yeah. I was like, well, I I, I wasn't confused by the first chapter. I was confused once I started reading the second chapter about why it had suddenly like changed. Um, Because he says, um, so one of the themes that I, I had for this book was what is real? Question mark. Because um, Jamal says, and the two worlds, the real one in which Saba lived and the virtual one of the film I watched, where all is not what it seems existed in harmony. So in Mm. the beginning of the book, we're introduced to Jamal and he has this cinema and it seems like there's an actual cinema and we're watching Saba, but it's from his memories that he is like placing onto the sheet. So there's no projector or anything. It's all his mind and then what's interesting is that when we finally do meet Saba we realize that Jamal is only speaking from his perspective because some things mm-hmm. that he said about Saba were not true like there's the part where he mm-hmm. says um he had seen her outside behind the tent masturbating with the torch but when we finally mm-hmm. hear from the third person narrator Saba went out there with the torch but to change her night dress because she shares mm-hmm. a tent with her brother and her mom yes. so it had me yes. questioning and there's also part where it says my life was a mirage because Saba was a mirage and it had me questioning questioning like wait what is actually real and I was looking up the difference between the first person and the third person narrator and it said that the first person narrator is usually unreliable because they're speaking from their perspective and they are very subjective in how they tell things so I was like how can we really believe what Jamal said in the beginning about all of this but why was it even there because we end up knowing the rest of the story anyway through yeah, the third person yeah. narrator and then at the end it switches back to the first person but it's Hagos so now I was like what's what's even the point of having that there because we already know the stories from the third person yeah. which is the largest chunk of the book so what did you make yeah. of that um so the the first person third person stuff 
was it was some of the stuff that actually that was what confused me yeah. a lot throughout the book um when it was third person or when it was just the narrator telling the story yeah. just telling the events as they happened and just giving us um what's actually going down in the camp that's when i actually kind of like understood what was going mm. on and i i because i didn't understand what happened in the first chapter i like really turned my brain on my brain on when i was reading this book and then that's how i caught the the hagos first person thing yeah um at the end when they paid when hagos and saba paid with sex to leave the camp yeah. that was Wow. A lot of sex in yeah. this book. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. so um, yeah, I just thought it was really interesting because when it was Hagos's view, I felt like he was speaking. Yeah. You know? And yeah. It, it's it's it was very it was a very new experience. Yeah. And I love that it was like at the end. Yeah. Because I was like you know he was like okay my sister's leaving me now to go and follow her dreams mm. and it was it was very sad because they were very close but yeah. then i just i i i felt like um the author really used that too well to um just give us a better connection um to hagos yeah. as a character yeah um which i did get um especially from the interaction especially from his interaction with his sister and with his mom but um yeah i i just i like the way the uh, the author um the way he manipulated those first person third person switches yeah and i thank you for actually explaining what happened in the first chapter because <laughs> that is not what what, I <laughs> what did you think like, no i thought it was i thought there was like a white sheet and then sabo was doing stuff behind it because when well yeah when yeah oh. like when yeah in a book when an author describes something when there's like a descriptive uh, when they're going into their descriptive mode i try and picture what's going on in my head yeah i don't just you know like read so i try and picture what the actual camp looks like and where things are and mm. that's kind of like what confused me yeah. So, yeah i see i see why you could think that because in the later chapter when he finally does set up the cinema and everyone's watching and yes. he has like puppets it is yeah. like a, a window in the sheet but I yes. think in the first chapter, if I'm not mistaken, because he was waiting for people to come in, right? Like there was a court meeting mm. about to happen mm. and Saba was in her tent. So how could he be seeing Saba through the sheet? Um, but yeah, the, I mean, it's up for interpretation because we don't really know exactly. And also, why was he the one who was speaking? Because he's he just like pops in from time to time and then his character yeah. is not as developed until... Exactly. the part with the with the puppets and then when him and Saba make love so yes yeah um going back to the the refugee experience um 
there was this this quote that I I really liked that said, um, we all entered this camp as humans, but only some of us would leave. Disgust is an acquired taste, she reminded herself. And I, I can't remember exactly where. I think this was towards mm. the end when she was about to leave. But I mm. I really liked, going back to what you said about, even though the author tries to emphasize the idea that refugees are not always thinking about their refugee status it's still like mm-hmm. this looming reality that's yeah. hanging on them and no matter what they do it will always show up and it's also it the when the humanitarian trucks come in or the i don't know what they are like an ngo yeah whatever yeah. um when yeah. those trucks come and all these people are just giving them clothes and they're making promises about the shops that they can build and the narrator says you could build a palace in the air out of their promises and i was like wow that's so true well i mean I, i've yeah. never been in a refugee camp but when i know from <laughs> like aid aid that's given to developing countries or in war torn countries mm-hmm. This, mm-hmm. these other countries and these other organizations will make promises to you about this life that you can live but the reality is you are in a refugee camp and the only way that Saba could leave is by like you said selling herself basically for sex or like exchanging sex for this freedom and I think yeah. that really paints the picture that as much as you know as I said sexuality in this book is a is a kind of escape or release the refugee camp is still like a locked, I don't want to say cage, but like there are boundaries to what you can do in that camp. And that really, that that really struck me um, and just reminded me of like how dehumanizing it is to be in a refugee camp. And there was also the part when um, Saba had to wipe her bum after pooping with stones. Like Hagos was looking for like smooth stones so that she could wipe herself. And I was like, these humanitarian trucks are bringing bringing clothes, but they don't bring the necessities. Like they have to use stones. So yeah, there were moments like that where I, I was reminded of the assumptions that I have of what it's like to live in a refugee camp and what it actually is. Because the author himself, I'm not sure if you did research on it, but he... He actually grew up in a refugee camp. And so Oh yeah, I think, yeah. I just read the about the author chapter yeah. at the end. Yeah. So his experiences are mirrored in Saba and Hagos. And also exactly. in the acknowledgments, he finally says well, first he says, Thank you to my mom for taking me out of the refugee camp. But it couldn't have yes. come at a more like a more incorrect time or a wrong time because that's when I was yeah. falling in love. And so I'm wondering if I don't know his sexuality, sexual orientation, but I wonder if his experience is reflected in Hagos or he's using Hagos mm. to tell kind of his own his own mm. story. I couldn't yeah. find any personal information on him, which I think is interesting. Um, and then he also says, the phrase silence is my mother tongue. He says, you saw that silence was my mother tongue because he he didn't want to talk when he was younger, maybe because he was so traumatized. Yeah. So I thought that was yeah. interesting that he left that until the acknowledgements. I never read the acknowledgements, but this time I did. <laughs> do, you, do you read the acknowledgements? Um, I, I, I skim through them. Yeah. Like if their names, I just skim through them all. Yeah. But most of the time I just get to, I want to get to the first chapter. So I normally skip the acknowledgements 
And if there's a preface, I skip that also. Really? I, yes. I feel like I can't skip the preface because <laughs> it's going to tell me something about the story that I need to know, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I just I just think it's, you know, it's additional reading that I don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. But yeah. So I just want to ask you. Yeah. Who, who are your three favorite characters and three least favorite characters wow i think we're gonna overlap a lot yeah are you are you the podcast host now because i was gonna ask you that question (laughs) i was gonna ask no i was just really curious no it's fine um so favorite i would have have to to say yeah i would say I can't not say Saba and Hagos. I mean, yeah, of course, of yeah. but I would say, yeah, I would say Saba, Hagos, and Zara. Saba and Hagos because of their relationship. Saba because she, I just feel like she was so resilient. Hagos because he was so nurturing and his presence spoke more volumes or spoke volumes than with despite not having a voice and then Mm. Zara because she was so against the patriarchy and I just love that and she really (laughs) embodied the values that her mom was instilling in her and the moments where she'd listen to the tapes that her mom sent her I just felt that that was really empowering um but yeah who are yours okay so my favorite uh three favorite is probably well, it's probably the same, yeah. Saba, Hegos, and Azara for the same reasons you mentioned. But because we overlapped, I just want to put a few honorable mentions. Yeah, I love Zara's. I love Zara's grandma. Um, mm. uh, I forgot about else? her. <laughs> yeah, no, she yeah, was great. Zara's yeah. grandma. I love. Um, what's this guy? The guy who who taught Saba English. <gasps> yes, he was the, was he an imam? No, he wasn't. The, the Kwaja. Kwaja, yes, was yes, it the yeah. Kwaja? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. oh my yeah. gosh, I forgot about him. <laughs> Shoot, and yeah. who else? Who else? Nah, nah, Samia's not there. No. Samia's not there. Um... There's, there's someone, there's someone I'm forgetting who deserves mention <laughs> i mean Naz- nasnet is cool oh yeah but her character wasn't developed enough for yeah. me to actually say she's one of the your favorite yeah but um who 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 yeah i guess yeah mm. zara's grandma and the quadra yeah they yeah honorable mentions yeah and then least favorite least favorite Tedros. Tedros. Oh, <laughs> he was like the worst person in the world. And uh, wait, Tedros. before before you say the next person, do you remember that moment yes. where he tried to like rape Saba? That interaction yes. was so intense. I was like at the edge of my seat. Intense. The way she it shut was him very down intense. was so intelligent. I was like, yes, girl. She didn't even need to use force or anything, just her words. And was he was very like, intelligent. She bruised his ego, and that's why he backed yeah. off. 
I'm not going to lie. I'm surprised that the author made Tedros back off because mm. um, after bruising his ego like that, I thought he would just act out yeah. of anger and actually just go through it. Mm. But I'm, I was really surprised that he backed off. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the athlete, I don't like him. Um, I remember the athlete, but he wasn't memorable <laughs> enough. Tell me, tell me a little bit about him. He he was just he he was arrogant. Mm. Um, he, I mean, yeah, he played he played soccer. Oh right, with, right, right. The ball, with the ball made of socks. Yes. And um, I I I I don't know. Like his wit mm. wasn't funny. It was just rude. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would say the athlete. Yeah uh the midwife oh yeah she's up yeah there. She's she up there bro she's cray cray and i know women don't like being called crazy <laughs> but i just can't help it the midwife the midwife was something yeah. else man i think yeah. she was i would say yeah midwife um tedras and who else i kind of didn't dislike the mom unfortunately because of the midwife. The midwife was really controlling. I felt like she almost played the the role of like the controlling husband in the family because they didn't have right. their father with them. Yeah. She yeah. was just she embodied manhood in the way like in the most negative way possible mm. and um oh, I was going to say something else. Um whatever it's fine but yeah I I really didn't like her I felt like she she was just in your face Ugh! every time I read about her I wanted to like <laughs> throw my book because she was just like so present I felt like whenever she she came about like I was suffocated so yeah I definitely agree with those and then I wanted to ask you how would you summarize this book in one word in one word yeah wow it's a tough one that's a tough one do you have your word no <laughs> okay good. i thought okay, i did good we're on, we're on the same we're on the yeah. same boat summarize this book in one word yeah mm. Mm. or maybe maybe let's say a phrase but it has to be a short phrase a short phrase. Yeah. The cost of freedom. <gasps> okay. That's really good. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. really good. Now I, I'm not going to say anything freedom. because you're going to make me look bad. So I'm just going to move on. There's literally on. a chapter called The Cost of Freedom yeah. or something like that. I really um, like the way called? he named the chapters. I think he did such yeah. a good job with that. He did. Freedom, the double price. That's oh. when the the freaking what's his Hajj Hajj Imam, whatever his name, the nomad. Yes. When oh, the nomad oh, wanted shoot. to be bribed. Wait. With, uh, I didn't like him. I liked oh, him. You, don't, you at, don't like the nomad. I liked him at first, <laughs> but then when he was trying to take advantage of Saba, well, he did eventually. He did. But he and did. he had a wife too. I didn't like that. Yes. Shoot. Yeah, no, I like. About him. And he, and he was like, my wife has run out of love. I know. And, I was you know, like, I was dude, like, what? you're being such a D. Oh, my God. 
yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, freedom was. Freedom is one of like the most important themes, yeah. Themes of this book, yeah. Because even though like people weren't ex- escaping the refugee camp, like the sexuality yeah. was probably an expression of people's freedom, yeah, and, or desire you know, for freedom, or yeah. desire, yes, or desire for freedom. Like it felt like when they were engaging in these acts, they they felt as free as they could ever yeah. feel, you know, yeah. especially in these, in a cage, like a refugee camp. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I also did like the aid coordinator. He was a very patronizing guy. <sighs> um, yeah. I didn't like anything humanitarian organization. I'm like, no, please. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> but yeah, so for my phrase, the reason why I gasped after you said a cost for freedom, because I was thinking of saying a quest for freedom, but I like a cost okay. for freedom a lot better yes. because there's like this, it's like almost like a double entendre where it's like that, like you, you're implying that freedom does exist, but there's always something that you're going to have to give up for it and I think that was literally the crux of this book was giving up things so that you can have what you want and Hagos also he had to give up his relationship with Saba to be with Eob like to stay behind Mm. with him and Saba had to give Mm. up her you know sexuality and her her also her relationship with Hagos to Mm. um and I think that's the biggest cost because they were literally the same person. Like they were attached at the hip yeah. and they finally they had were. to let each other go. So, they, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to lie. I have to be honest. This is probably going to sound rude, but I thought there was going to be like some incest. Yeah, because I, wait, I, I, like, I, yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because remember the beginning of the book where then this is I was going to ask you the my last question one thing you'd ask the author if you could and for me it was why on earth was Saba charged with sexually assaulting her brother in the beginning because that's why she was brought to court remember so all this time I'm reading the book I'm waiting for something to happen because there's also this moment where Saba is because they share the same bed and Hagos has his leg or something on Saba and I was like oh no is he you know, something going to happen, but it's just really because they just had such a strong bond, you know? Yeah. 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 That was, yeah, it was, it was a really, it was a very strong bond. I was like totally expecting it after, you know, after the first few chapters, I got the vibe that this author just, he says what he wants to say. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. He's very free to express what he wants to say, whether it's sexual whether it's cursing or whatever. So I just thought um, he would... I'm surprised there was no incest. Yes, in absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier about this book being unexpected. Like it completely shatters your expectations, not only in terms yeah. of like what the char- characters are supposed to be doing and what it's like to be in a refugee camp, but what we expect after reading the first chapter, what's going to happen. Mm. Yeah, Mm. I was definitely expecting something at some point, but I'm glad it didn't happen because 
yes but um <laughs> what would you ask what would you ask the author if you could what would i ask the author mm. hmm I would ask him if the midwife was based on a real person mm. that he's had an encounter with. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I it was very hard for me to believe that, you know, the midwife, the way she carried herself, it's kind of like she was claiming that she cared about women. Yeah. Um, but what she did her actions didn't really reflect that um reflect um her claims and it's kind of like you know uh guilty pleasures are you're supposed to be guilty for guilty pleasures yeah you know what i mean it's it's um yeah it's almost like she was sadistic because like when she was trying to you know carry out female genital mutilation on Saba yes it's almost like she enjoyed inflicting that pain on Saba and she enjoyed inserting her fingers into Saba's vagina that's really interesting I never thought of it like that and it was um it was very it was very striking for me because I've heard of um female genital mutilation in Muslim yeah in some Muslim muslim dominated countries like muslim majority countries i've heard that female genital mutilation is actually a thing yeah so when i read the chapter the razor that's that's the name of the chapter that that was like i was like wow so this stuff like really happens and in my chapter notes i just wrote what wtf with a question mark (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) That's that's what I wrote underneath the razor. That and the blood. Mm, the blood. I just wrote WTF. Yeah. Um, I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I, I really like this book. I really enjoyed it. And I don't know. I feel like the author just... I know y- you said, you know, you were confused at some points. But for me, I really enjoyed the way that he wrote. And again, I'll conclude mm. by saying I was so struck by how vivid his descriptions were of the woman's body especially like when he would describe like the vagina or when Saba had the sexual encounter encounter with Nasnet I was just like I don't know I've never read a book written by a male that was so focused on the female body on the female body yeah so I I thought that was really interesting um but yeah do you have any concluding thoughts anything you want to say before um i also like just to back up your point i also thought it was like um very fascinating how free he was in expressing i think he just he loves the female form Mm. kind of like art you know what i mean yeah and there was this moment where like saba was making love to the wind or something like that like she was taking a bath and then you know she was like describing her movements as if she was making love to the wind and i just thought it was really cool yeah people think i'm crazy for saying that but it actually (laughs) happened okay (laughs) it did it did it did (laughs) um so yeah. yeah um it was a very 
it was a very good book. Um, I I just love the way he he uses creative writing tools yeah. to make the story interesting, but to keep it real. Mm. You know, refugees go through a lot. Yeah. Um, and you know they actually moved camps in the book. Yes. So yeah, it's it highlights the difficulties of refugee life, mm. and it also highlights the difficulties of being a refugee and being a woman refugee. So it's um, I it it really opened my mind, and I just really enjoyed the book. I might raise the score to eight point five. By the way. Woo! Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah 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 it's a good book yeah it's a good book yeah that's awesome well i think that's a great place to stop thank you for such a great discussion this is so good sure. um i think this is the first time that i've had well first of all this is the fir- first book that i've read that's so openly sexual and intimate as you were saying yeah oh yeah the mm. reason why i had said maybe let's not call it raunchy is because i don't think it's ever like sex for the sake of of like display or something yeah yeah yeah. so i feel like intimate was a good word but yeah this is the first book i've read that's so openly sexual and Mm. this is the first time i've had a discussion with someone another human being especially a male about topics like this so yeah thank you for Mm. yeah i felt safe in this conversation um and i i'm glad you raised the score at the end that's good that's good (laughs) i like to know that i've picked good books (laughs) eight out of ten is still a good score yeah no it's it is it's absolutely good um but yeah thank you thank you for your time yeah sure my pleasure all right listeners Thanks so much for spending some of your precious time with me throughout this episode. As always, don't forget to subscribe, share with a friend and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow and other things on Instagram at and other things potty for more valuable content. This podcast was written, hosted and produced by me. Have a most magnificent day.